I'd love to see policymakers start to figure out maybe how to back off a little bit. And I would like to see them allow us to take ownership of what our communities need and give us the flexibility and the tools to deliver that to our populations. We are not their scapegoat for societal problems. We are the beacon and the ray of hope. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. Gabby Doyle is an English and journalism teacher at Beverly Hills High School, a self-proclaimed jurd journalism nerd. She advises the Watchtower yearbook and highlights news online and teaches senior English. She just returned to work in January after a semester off for, for maternity leave, and now she finds herself out of her physical classroom again at home with her lovely family, hubby, daughter, two cats, and a dog. She follows a vegan lifestyle, loves traveling, surfing, hiking, and doing yoga. And Gabby, I don't think you could be more Southern California than that. <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. So, you know, I got to give it to you. I got to give <laughs> you the full SoCal lady. <laughs> That's definitely true. Um, uh, Gabby, thanks for joining me. I know we've known each other for a while through journalism circles and then uh, just as friends. So this is really great that you're joining me. Thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. I'm happy to be on this podcast. So I, like me, you're a classroom teacher and we sort of thrive on this energy of physically being in the classroom and doing all kinds of things. But I'm sort of curious, what do you secretly like about working from home? Um, I love not having to wake up extra early to do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really nice though to like be able to uh, kind of like bounce in and out of this virtual classroom and be able to spend more time with my daughter. Um, returning to work was really exciting and invigorating. I missed my classroom and I missed my students so much, who I also call my kids. Um, and then there's this like mommy guilt. And so now I kind of just get to be with everyone. Like I get to be with Sophie and I get to be with my students and, you know, Thank universe, we have help. So there's not a lot of stress during the quote unquote school day to like manage, you know, being a mother and being a teacher at the same time. I can just kind of do them when it's convenient. And it's really nice to have that freedom. That's fantastic. Um, and it's funny as we're talking next door, my neighbors are like rolling their toddler around on her chair it sounds like thunder but um definitely mommy time and that's interesting you had said the mommy guilt you know um that i think a lot of women probably face you know splitting their time between family and, and work yeah yeah um what have you learned about yourself being on quarantine i have learned that i really thrive on a schedule even though i want to be this free-spirited person who doesn't need structure in her life um and so being in quarantine has really forced me to accept that part of myself and love her, even though for a long time I was trying to ignore her and pretend like she wasn't there. 
Um, so I've made kind of every day make a schedule for myself and I do my best to uphold the schedule. But if I don't, I also come from a space of compassion and I say like, it's okay, Gabby, like it's not a big deal and it's fine. That's great. Um, and then, so again, thinking about like, you've got a newborn, you've got a husband, uh, you've got a dog and a couple of cats. Like, how do you keep your sanity while being on lockdown? Um, at first, it was really hard for my husband and me. Like, the first two weeks we were here, I thought we were going to kill each other. Um, <laughs> but I, we just kind of worked it out. And I, I learned about him, kind of how he expresses fear. Um, and I didn't understand for a while that he was expressing fear. And so we were both just really frustrated with each other. And once I realized what was happening, I started to come from a place of love and it really helped our communication. Um, and then luckily we have help during the day with our daughter. So that makes it very manageable. You know, like I don't have to worry if she wakes up early from a nap, you know, and it's during a class or maybe a meeting that I have. Uh, you know, we have someone here who can just like take care of her for us. Um, so that's been really great. And the dog absolutely thinks it's the best thing ever that people are here all the time. And she goes on like five walks a day. Um <laughs> And then, you know, at the end of our work day, my husband ends work at four. And so the four of us go on a walk. You know, we throw Sophie in her stroller or in the carrier. We grab the dog. We go on our daily walk. And that's been really lovely. And it's something that we want to kind of continue to incorporate even when this whole thing ends. Yeah, for sure. That's really great, right? That self-care, family time, going for walks. I mean, how often do we do that before, right? Um, right. Not too often, I think. And sometimes we run into you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we are neighbors, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you like best about working from home? I do really like that it's kind of pushed me to do things in a different way, find alternatives. Um, it's made me think about how to kind of expand my curriculum when we go back. I am not a fan of homework. Uh, I don't ever give homework. Um, the only homework I do believe in is reading. I think reading is just so nourishing and, you know, there's so much that goes on cognitively when we read. Um, or for my seniors, you know, if they don't finish an assignment in class, like that becomes homework. But I found, let's say for design, my design unit for my beginning journalism class, I found these amazing videos. So I was trying to think about like, could this video kind of become, there's Pepper, I don't know if you can hear her, um, become the replacement for reading. You know, can we watch a video instead of reading? Not that I give a lot of reading to that class, but could this become an alternative? Could that become an alternative in an English class, perhaps? You know, how can these reading alternatives become like reading as a homework assignment or incorporate them into my curriculum a little more? Yeah, that's interesting. That sort of pivot, like we always do things a certain way and we think it's the best way and we've done it for years and all of a sudden we're forced to change. So I like that you're opening up to that. I think maybe 
That's definitely a silver lining. I, I feel like for my classes, I feel like I've sort of been an open-minded person anyway, but then I sit down and realize that I'm not. And so it's nice to kind of mix things up a little bit and try something new. It's really great. Totally. Uh, and I think too, like I'm usually very hard on myself as a teacher. I just want to be like the best journalism teacher who ever existed and like the most helpful English teacher who prepares you for a college English course. Um, and I compare myself to other journalism teachers across the country and I wonder why I'm not winning all these like cuckoo pants awards and then this has really forced me to just be like okay whatever like I'm just doing the best that I can and my kids are doing the best that they can I am not going to try to have some kind of zoom classroom with 32 kids in it like I think that's crazy unattainable um and in all the online college courses I've taken I've never had a class like that. You know, it's a little bit more independent and driven by the students in our motivation. Yeah. I mean, I think I noticed that too. It's like, there's a lot more ownership of the learning that has to happen on, on the students part now. And, you know, at first it was a little rough, right? Because they're not used to that. It's like prison, you know, yeah. the bell rings and you march out, you get told when you can go to the bathroom and when you can eat. Right. And now we're treating them like humans, like, Oh, you own this, right? This is on you, right? Yeah. And they're taking ownership. Right now, I'm not teaching English, so I don't know what a second semester senior would be doing, um, even though I like love seniors all year long. Um, but my journalism kids are just thriving, especially my web kids. They are just like up and running. Their story ideas have been magnificent and like so creative and they're just going for it. I mean, we have a whole sports tab on our website and I was like, how the heck are we going to cover sports? No sports are happening. And we brainstormed and they came up with seven fantastic ideas. They're actually doing a PE story. We never cover PE, you know, like it's so fun to like watch them be creative and thoughtful and just go for it. Right. Cause there's no rules right? Yeah. There are new rules so you can make up your own rules. Totally. That's a really great advantage, right? Which is actually what I was going to ask you about what are some of the advantages of teaching remotely for you and for your students? Yeah. I mean, I think the kind of no rules, total room for creativity, which I thought I kind of had space for, especially in my web class. Um, but maybe I didn't, you know, like, and and my editor for next year and I have been talking about really just coming from like this place of yes. Like if somebody has a story idea, just say yes and, and see what happens. Um, so that's been really exciting and fun. Um, and I think what's great for the students is to a certain extent, things have a due date, but they can do the assignment at their pace at the time that is right for them. I still haven't been able to envision how that would work during the school day, you know, because there, there is some time where a teacher would need to do a targeted lesson and you don't want to have a kid walk in in the middle of your lesson because they were like so riveted in what was happening in their government class, you know, and then you're like, oh crap, like how do I catch this kid up? How do I start over? But I'm wondering like, what if, I don't know. What if there was just a space for like 30 minutes of direct instruction and then the rest of the day was like open work time, kind of almost office hours. But then again, I'm like, wow, like 
I'm just so fascinated by making it work that I want to figure it all out now. You know, I'm like, how does that work when you have 150 students? Do you let 150 into your room that seats 32? Like, what do you do? Or what do you do when the kid is kind of neglecting one class? Do you have to be their coach and be like, you got to go to math. Like, you can't sit in here and do your book all day. So I kind of, it's like I get excited about these things and then I want to work through everything so that it'll be successful like right now. Yeah, I love, I love those ideas a lot. Um, and I think they're great ideas. And I think if we try to go backwards and make them fit into the old schedule, it's never going to work. Yeah, it would be great to like reimagine a schedule. And I think I've learned, especially in my district, when you reimagine something, you really have to think about all the potential things that can go wrong so you can plan for them ahead of time. So that's always where I go. I'm like, but what happens if this is going on? Like, how do we plan for that? And it's not a negative thing or like a doom and gloom. It's because I'm like excited and I just want it to work in the best way possible for everyone. Yeah, right. So you've already been talking about some of these things, but what are some lessons that we've learned as educators that you want to keep and implement once the pandemic is over? Like scheduling is one of them, but is there something else? Scheduling would be great. I'd love to find a way to kind of help students do it on their own time you know, but still have us move ahead. Like a teacher really does. I don't know how else you could do this. You need your units, right? Like this is the curriculum I'm going to teach you. This is the unit. And then like at a certain point, we do need to show that we've mastered it and move forward, you know, but like, do we all do that as a whole class, as one team? Or is it like going at the individual student's pace? Like, I don't know. There are so many unanswered questions and I just think that's exciting. Yeah. And I think sometimes excitement, you see it as excitement. I might see it as excitement for other people. It's just extreme terror. Right. right? So what advice would you give to other colleagues about like this new normal of teaching and helping them get through these times? So in my English department, people are kind of freaking out about like not having enough FaceTime, not having a classroom, trying to get those like 30 kids to be in your Zoom meeting, right? And it's not working and you can't control behavior. Like the parent comes out, this was a great one. Like the parent came over and like gave the kid lunch in the middle of class. Like they totally interrupted class or they had a parent sitting in on classes and like chiming in instead of letting their kid do the thinking and the work. So just like watching people reimagine that, like you reimagined your classroom online, right? Like you had smaller group meetings and then your other kids were doing independent work, right? Why can't we pull that back into our classroom to give that like smaller support and then let the other kids work independently? You know, think about like what was going well, how did you adjust? How can you apply that to your physical space? I love that idea. Yeah. That's really good advice. Um, So we've been talking about these, but what are some of the silver linings in remote teaching or working from home? Flexible time is really a big silver lining here. Like flexible time to do whatever you need to for yourself. So whether that's like make a fresh lunch instead of like brown bagging it, right? Or do yoga or walk your dog or sit down and have a one-on-one with a student or surf the web and create like some really awesome assignment because you found some inspirational lessons and then you modified them. Or even thinking about sitting down and like 
changing curriculum for next year. All of that is just a silver lining right now because we have this flexible time in which to do it. I love that. And so that's flexible, you mean, for teachers to figure things out? Even for students. I mean, yes, they still have quote-unquote class. I mean, I know, you know, for our home learning, we have very clear instructions as to how many minutes our assignments should be um, or how many minutes our quote-unquote class should be and how many days a week. Um, But there are limits to how much homework we can give to our students and how much work we can give to them. And they do have free time. Um, I have a colleague who sent out a survey to students about what they were doing. And some kids were like, oh, I picked up painting again, you know, or they're, they're doing hobbies. And I think that's very nourishing for them. Yeah, I feel like this is a much more humane system. Like everything's on a human scale now, because like you said, we can take a walk, we can exercise, we don't have to be sitting in a chair for eight hours. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And the flexibility, I think, is really great, too. It's interesting that it's like humane without seeing other humans. <laughs> exactly. Which is, you know, as many silver linings as we can take from this, that is the huge thing that I, I guess that is a silver lining, right? Like, we miss school. Like I have kids that are like, I miss school. And I think that is a silver lining. They miss seeing people and they do miss being in the classroom and they do miss seeing us, right? They're teachers who we think that we're always like annoying to them, right? They miss us and like we miss them. And I think that's a huge silver lining. What do do you want policymakers to change or adopt as we look to next school year? And as maybe we try to reimagine the future of education, given all these lessons that we've learned? I think here in California, we've had a lot to deal with um, as educators in schools. I think that policymakers are starting to see how integral we are, um, not just to kids' lives, but to people's lives. You know, I live right by an LUSD middle school, and it is one of the schools where they have food pickup. I think policymakers need to start recognizing that we are not their scapegoat for societal problems. We are the beacon and the ray of hope, right? Like we are the place that is stable for children who have unstable homes. We are the place where some kids get two hot meals a day when they don't get to eat on the weekend, you know, and, and maybe my classroom can be strict sometimes, but some students need that. They may not want it, but because they might go home and there's no one there when they get home, their parents are working, they're alone. There is something stable and comforting about coming into an environment and knowing exactly what you have to do, exactly what the expectations are. And I'd love to see policymakers stop blaming us. Like, don't blame us for stuff. See us as, you know, your teammate. In California, like, I love this state. I want it to be the best state in the union. I want our public education to be amazing for every child. I don't care if they come from an upper class family or their family is on food stamps. I want every kid to have an amazing education. And I'd love to see policymakers start to figure out maybe how to back off a little bit, right? There are so many rules and things are changing. You know, the goalpost is always moving for us. And I would like to see them allow us to take ownership of what our communities need and give us the flexibility and the tools to deliver that to our populations. It's fantastic. I love it. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you had to narrow it down to just one piece of advice, 
that you'd like to share with teachers or parents or policymakers about remote learning, what would it be? We need the infrastructure to make sure every child has access to the internet. Um, like you said in your intro, I work at Beverly Hills High School and I have students who do not have Wi-Fi access. So even though they have a device from school, they have no way to use their device. Um, and we need to be prepared for this. And internet service providers need to be open to what they are going to do again to support our students if this happens again. You know, they say in the fall, we might have to do another quarantine. How are you going to support my kids when they go on quarantine? Because again, they can still take home their school issued device, but they can't use it without Wi-Fi. And I want to see people step up and say, we are going to provide that for these students when they need it, not a month, two months later. Absolutely. I wonder why internet is not a public utility like electricity or roads. Right. Yeah. Maybe it great. should be. Maybe it should be. What else would you like to share about school closures and remote work? You know, I, I imagine like the teenager waking up in the morning and being like, oh, I don't want to go to school. And I really think now that they are going to want to go to school. Like I think when August comes around and like the first day of school is happening, like people are going to be so excited to be on campus. Um, our campus right now is under a lot of construction. I was just talking to a student about this and it's kind of dreary and like a downer and we don't have great school spirit. And I'm writing a piece right now for the website as like a guest writer about how I hope we can use this to up our school spirit. You know, like really use this to make school that positive space because we're all missing it to a certain extent. So when we go back, like, let's show our gratitude through our enthusiasm. Well, Gabby Doyle, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your thoughts on remote learning. You're welcome, Michael Hernandez. <laughs> If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.